I'm Christina Bryan Fitzgibbons, a genetic and family investigator. And I'm Jody Klugman Rabb, a licensed marriage and family therapist and licensed professional clinical counselor. Welcome to Sex, Lies, and the Truth. Zach did not have a good relationship with his father. So bad was it that Zach found himself fantasizing about having a new dad. Maybe that was some sort of intuition of what was to come when he finally took a commercial DNA test that proved there was a new beginning out there for him. My name is Zach Hunt. I live in Nashville, Tennessee with my wife and two kids. And about two years ago, I picked up an ancestry DNA test on a whim. It was a Black Friday and it was on sale. And I thought that it could finally provide some answers to some family lore. I was a history major in undergrad and did uh, history in graduate school as well. So, you know, getting definitive answers to, you know, some of these family stories is something that's always interested me. Um, And one of those family stories is that my father was, or not my father, but his, I was never really sure either his mother or grandmother, somebody was supposedly born on a reservation somewhere out West. I think I'd heard Arizona uh, most often, but if you grow in the, grow up in the South, like everyone has a Cherokee princess grandmother, you know, the stories are are very common. Um, And so I wanted to either confirm, you know, or put that family lore, you know, to rest once and for all. And so this test came up and, and that was the only reason that I purchased it. I didn't have any other agenda or thoughts that it could lead anywhere else. So With no agenda other than learning what ethnic ancestral history was part of his family, Zach sent his DNA sample away, eager to learn more about his history. I got my email saying that my test results were in right as we were putting our kids to bed one night. And so I'm, you know, super excited to read this, but then I've got, you know, a five and a seven-year-old, or I guess at that point a four uh, and a six-year-old to get to bed. So we get them to bed. My wife had to linger because our seven-year-old, our now seven-year-old always needs her to stay a little bit longer because she has to snuggle until she falls asleep. And it's just one of those things where you you don't know how much longer she's going to you know, want that. So you got to stay. My wife's up there the extra couple minutes with our oldest and I'm frantically opening up the email and opening up the Ancestry DNA app. I was uh, sad to discover I'm pretty much the whitest person that you could possibly imagine. My family ancestry DNA is British, Scottish, Irish, French, German, and I think maybe a little bit of Scandinavian there just for an extra touch. And so that was, you know, kind of in, in some level disappointing because I'd heard this, you know, story and and you find out that, you know, it's not really true, but good to, you know, finally get some confirmation on that one way or the other. And I thought that was the end of the story because the reason I bought the ancestry DNA test is because of the commercial. And in the commercial, they have this very dramatic reenactment where you, you learn about all these different ancestors and it's really fun and, and exciting. It just kind of fills in all these blanks of your family story from the 19th century or the 15th century or, or, or whatever. And so I thought that was the end of the test results. And then there was a tab at the bottom that said DNA matches. And so I thought, well, this looks really interesting. I wonder what this could possibly be. And so I clicked it and up pops, you know, all of these, you know, faces and avatars of people that I'm supposedly related to. And at the one at the top says parent or parent sibling relation. And it's just an avatar that says TF. And I thought that's really weird because the person that I thought was my father, his initials would have been um, EH, like my last name is starts with H, it should start as well. And so I thought maybe there's a glitch. 
Making excuses for unexpected information is so common, it's to be typical. Zach suggested to himself maybe one of his family members was using a pseudonym, or the account was being managed by another person, until he started researching through Google and discovered it was all real. Anyway, so I started going to Google and kind of figuring out what was going on and realized, okay, this is this real person's you know initials. And I'm like, well, that, that doesn't make sense. At that point in time, I had no reason to believe that the person that I thought was my biological father wasn't my biological father, other than the fact that he left when I was about six years old. And so I haven't seen him or have only seen him um, once since and had extremely limited contact that I could probably count on one hand. So there was a little bit of space there for, oh, maybe there's a different name that he used or, or, or something else is going on. Pretty quickly realized, okay, well, this that's not the case. I mean, you have to use your real name, um, or at least my understanding is you use your real name. Zach's description sounded like it could have happened over an extended period of time, but it was really in the span of an hour or less. That's how time is warped when an MPE is newly discovered. And so I start Googling and like, what are the chances that ancestry DNA makes mistakes? And they do make mistakes. You know, if the, the catch is that they don't really make mistakes with parent sibling connections, the mistakes usually come with, you know, second or third or fourth or fifth, you know, cousins as you get down the line. But the one place that they are 100% correct on is the parent uh, child relationship. And so I didn't have an immediate panic attack because it's, it's such a, a jolting revelation that it, it's not something that you process, you know, immediately. It's, it, it takes a minute. And the first thing you do, you know, is you enter into denial. I start looking through the statistics and trying to figure out who this person um, is or how accurate their tests actually are. When I finally, you know, accepted this is probably legitimate. I was like, okay, well, who could this possibly be? Again, coming back to the idea, maybe it is still my uh, assumed father and there's just some weird you know, naming. And so I started doing my own detective work while my wife was finishing up with our, our kids upstairs. And when Zach's wife finally comes downstairs, she's not expecting much in the way of results, certainly not anything out of the ordinary. So had a very casual approach to it when he asked her to take a closer look at it with him. All I had to work on was the TF and then the managed by, and then there was a user handle. And so I started with a user handle trying to get through to, you know, different places, you know, it was all kind of, it was all private, you know, it was all closed off. I didn't get any information. And the first thing I thought was, I guess I'm related to someone in Scandinavia because the only little bits and pieces that I had, you know, matched some random Scandinavian person that I Googled. That wasn't true. You know, I'm not related as far as I know to anyone in Scandinavia. I, I, I read into a dead end there. I tried different combinations, you know, of words and letters and things, didn't really find anything. And so I went back to the relations or the relationships that you could have. And there were some folks on there that, you know, I knew personally that were on my mom's side of the family that, you know, okay, I know this person, I know this person, this person. And then there's a few that, you know, I didn't recognize. And so I went with the one that had the closest relationship, which was a second cousin and went to Facebook to see if I could find them. And I did. Took a little bit of, of searching, but I finally found this lady. And thankfully, she had her friend uh, list open or made public. And I was able to go through her friends list. And I found somebody with the initials TF that, that I was looking for. And so, you know, that was the first moment where like, okay, maybe this person does exist. And then when I opened their profile, which again, thankfully was mostly public, it said that he lived in California. So I was like, aha, finally, I proved ancestry DNA wrong. This person lives in California. I understand the birds and the bees. You know, my mom's in Tennessee. 
this couldn't happen. This kind of denial is pretty strong and experienced by many MPE. When we don't want to believe something, we will go to great lengths to deny it. Not dissimilar for many MPE moms who talk themselves into believing a narrative they feel they must in order to survive the secret. And I told her, I was like, you know, it's coming up, you know, that my father is, is not who I thought he was. And you know, again, neither of us had reason to assume that. And, and she was confused and she was like, okay, well, let's, you know, figure out this one way or the other. It says California, but let's see, you know, if we can definitively pin down whether or not he was in Tennessee. I was born in January of 83. Was he you know, anywhere in 82? Um, was he in Tennessee? Because it says California. And so we scroll down and then it says from, you know, Nashville, Tennessee. You know, I was like, but, you know, still it's, it's, it's a coincidence. This is a weird thing, but this is not possible. And so we start trying to scroll for information. And by a stroke of luck, that year, the year previously, he had posted all the Christmas cards that he and his wife had did going back to the 80s. Um, they do these really funny Christmas cards where a couple of years ago, they dressed up like Elf on a Shelf and then Photoshop themselves on their shelves in their house and, and send those things out. And so we start scrolling through those and get down to 80s, and there's not one for 1982. And I was like, oh, why is that? He says, well, I didn't get to do one for 1982 because we were moving from Nashville to California. And I was like, huh, well, that's kind of interesting. And then we scroll down a little bit further and there's a picture of him and another buddy playing around in the car at work in 1980, 81 at the exact same place that my mom worked at. That kind of sealed the deal. As a DNA sleuth, this would be the point in time that I'm fairly confident I've found the smoking gun. When there's an aha moment like this, you know you're done and can put this case to rest. So life just threw me a curveball. I was too tired to you know, sit there and kind of process this you know, mat, rather massive revelation in my life. So, so we went to bed. The next day, I reached out. I reached out to Facebook originally to him, you know, with the most awkward, you know, message you can imagine. Hey, guess what? You've got a kid. Congratulations. I told him, I was like, Hey, I, I took this test, was not expecting this. This is a complete shock. I need you to be aware, mostly because I assumed, and I think I'm right about this, that uh, his wife would have gotten an email alert anyway. I, I assume that, you know, when you ever, you get matches on ancestry DNA, uh, it pops up in your email. And so, you know, I wanted to at least give some context to that email that I knew he was getting. I didn't hear from him from, for a couple of days. So I went ahead and messaged the account on ancestry DNA as well and said, Hey, you know, this is who I am, had no idea. This is who my mom is. And um, heard back pretty quickly from him. When trying to reach out to biological family, anything can happen at this point. It just seems as often as receptivity is rejection. And if the bio family isn't rejecting, the bio mom may actually be. In fact, all family relationships can experience some level of change because of this singular discovery. And he was he was really nice. Like, you know, I, I, this is just a shock to me as well, um, but I would be happy to talk. We set up a time to talk. But before that, I get to have the most awkward conversation um, of my life with my mom. I went over to her house and said, you know, you may want to sit down for this one. And she was like, oh, ha ha ha, what's going on? And I'm like, no, you may literally want to sit <laughs> sit down for this. And I was like, you know, you know, so-so. And she was like, yeah. I was like, because I took an ancestry DNA test 
And um, it turns out that he is my father. And she is like, huh. And so, you know, obviously she was there for the moment that this life-changing event happened, but she was, was just as caught off guard, obviously not as much as I was, but she was pretty caught off guard um, as well. And the, and the reason for that is the context of, you know, my parents or my mom and who I thought was my father, I'm taken to calling them my old dad and my new secret dad. My mom and my old dad just did not have a good marriage. It was very rocky. Um, he was was not a good person, you know, a good husband in uh, numerous ways. And by the end of their marriage, you know, they were both seeing other people as they were getting divorced. And she didn't have reason necessarily to believe that it wasn't the person whose name's on my birth certificate. My mom, old dad got divorced and this guy, my mom, you know, went his own way and, and moved out to California. Zach's mother had wondered over the years if it could have been the other man, but just went on with life, probably content to not know the answer. Zach, however, was relieved to finally find out she wasn't intentionally keeping the secret from him. And, you know, I told her, I was like, you know, I'm not angry you know, about this. You know, I've worked through all my daddy issues. Yeah, I'm almost 40. I, I grew up without a dad, essentially, in my life. He left when I was in first grade. We've met, I've seen him once in college, and we've talked a couple of times. But, you know, I've, I've moved on. So if this new person came in and it was great, great. But if this new person came in and we didn't have a relationship, you know, I'm still at square one. It, it doesn't really change the dynamic. MPE discoveries come with a lot of anger from both sides. But the anger the MPE child has can eclipse rational thinking, such as... Without the facts of my conception, I wouldn't be here. Zach was able to think about his mom's context at the time of his conception and therefore engage in some empathy. I know enough details to know that, you know, if she, she found somebody that made her happy in a really, really difficult time in her life, I get that. I'm not like knowing they're justifying or, you know, making comments on whether or not you should, you know, have affairs or things like that, but I understand it. I understand how bad their marriage was. And if you found somebody that makes you happy or that made you happy and helped you get through that time, I get that. So after that incredibly awkward conversation that, that turned out better than, than I thought it could have, we, we talked through it. She told me about him. She actually had some old yearbooks from their work, which was apparently a thing in the 70s and 80s, which I don't know why you would ever have that, but they had it. I saw some pictures and she kind of told me a little bit about him and, and things like that. And then a, you know, a day or so later, I got to talk to him on the phone and, and he couldn't have been nicer. He uh, took notes you know, of our anniversaries and how many kids we had and things like that to share with his wife. We talked for about 45 minutes, found out we have a lot of things in common, you know, go figure, we're genetically related. But you know, things that don't really necessarily make sense for people who've never met, even though we're related, we're you know, both like to make jokes and try to make people laugh because we're obviously inherently hilarious. If you've heard the podcast at this point, you know, he, you know, he, he kind of has a sense of humor too. Like I said, with the postcards or with the Christmas cards, you know, that they always do these funny things. Um, and then we're both like really into barbecue. And there were just these other similarities that, you know, make conversation pretty easy or easier, you know, than it could have been. I mean, it was still painfully awkward to pick up a phone and say, Hey, dad, I, I was done and kind of talked through those things. And, Zach's bio father was also caught off guard, but totally open to it. The revelation of Zach didn't trigger a crisis in the man's marriage, and since they had no other children of their own, the discovery took on the air of a joke. Zach sent him an album with a bunch of childhood pictures for Father's Day. 
the title was it's a boy, you know, with exclamation points since they didn't get to do the, the balloons, but it was, and still is a trip like mentally. Like, I mean, it's, it's, it's so bizarre to look into the face of a stranger knowing that they're your parent. It's, it's, it's weird. I, I finally, it's, it's less the weird now than it was January of 2019, you know, when I found out, but it's still, it's still weird, but it's, it's also been a, this is cheesy language, but a really a blessing. Like it, it honestly could not have gone any better. And I, and I know I've had friends that have, have been in this relationship, or I'm sorry, in this relationship dynamic or in this revelatory dynamic where it could not have gone any worse or where the parent just, you know, didn't want to be involved or, or what have you. My new secret dad and his wife just could not be any kinder, any friendlier, any loving, uh, more loving. Um, we Facebook a bunch of time, or Facebook, FaceTime, you know, several times so that they can meet the kids. Because the fun part of our revelation was January hits. And we're like, oh, guess what? You have a new secret kid and a new secret dad. And then March hits and too bad you're not going to get to meet them because the world is shutting down. All of their communication had been through text or FaceTime and hopes of meeting in person would be dashed for the ever-increasing periods of the pandemic. The contact they did have was all very positive and friendly. The new grandparents were even sending gifts to Zach's kids, even if the conversations included awkward interviews of basic things about themselves. So we we FaceTimed a lot. We set up kind of regular or irregular meetings with him and his wife and um, talked to them. Um, they got to meet the kids. We asked them, you know, basic questions like, what kind of food do you like? Do you like to travel? What's your favorite movie? You know, how did you meet? How long have you been married? How old are you? Those uh, sorts of things. And, and it was really good. It was way, to use the word again, you know, way less awkward than I expected it to be. I mean, they were normal people. Which, which sounds like an understatement, but or, or just a, a simple thing to say. But in my context, I'm coming from a place where my old dad or the person I thought was my father was the villain in my story. And in my story, his wife, my stepmom was the other villain who didn't want him to have contact with me. And so for me, the struggle has been less trying to wrap my mind around the fact that this person, not this person, my father, as opposed to reorienting my mind around the idea that the father figure can be a good figure in my life. Zach was finally able to meet his father face-to-face after the pandemic had settled down with the vaccines. They came over for a barbecue at Zach's house and met their grandchildren. And it was great. You know, the first couple minutes obviously are super awkward, but after after that, it, it was it was natural. It was easy, easy to talk to. You know, we've got shared interests. But even if we didn't, just having someone step into that role that is a kind, decent, thoughtful person is as dramatic of a shift for me and my life as it is to find out that I have a different parent than I thought I did. Zach's experience here is quite unique since not only did he not have a good relationship with his old dad, Neither did anyone in the community. It has been a incredibly crazy couple of years um, since I found out a lot of things. I mean, there's definitely been painful moments as disconnected as I have always been from my old dad. I'm very close with his family. 
they live here in town and they've always been super supportive um, to me and um, my you know, cousins are some of his friends and, you know, my aunt, uncle, or, you know, like extended parents. And so that was the most painful conversation of having to say, you know, well, it turns out we're not blood related, but I told them, you're still my aunt and my uncle, you know, you're still my cousins, you know, you're still my family. This is just a change on paper as far as I'm concerned. Um, with them. And they've been incredibly supportive and they actually, you know, want to meet him when he comes, you know, they, they don't like my old father as much as, as, as I don't, because he treats their side of the family the same way that he did me. Zach's experience here is quite unique since not only he didn't have a good relationship with his old dad, neither did anyone in the community. And so this is, and most people in our social circle, you know, whether that's family or church or friends are well aware of that dynamic, you know, that I've had growing up rather than be scandalous, which, you know, for some people always, you know, will be um, most people it's, it's been a celebration. You know, when my mom has told college friends, she had lunch a while back with one of her teacher friends and they literally stood up and shouted for joy because they were so excited that there was this better person, you know, in our life and that we can move on it's weird, but I consider myself incredibly lucky. I won the lottery. I mean, how many people get to hit restart, you know, on their parent relationship and then have, find a better person? Most of us are, are stuck with the parents that we're born with. I got really, really lucky, even if it was a little bit later in life, to find someone who is turned out to be an actual parent. I don't need them to change my diapers or take me to school or, you know, pay for college or do any of those things. But just to be able to text with someone, things as simple as that, just to, you know, have these surprise gifts open, you know, uh, open the door and find something for my kids at the door or, you know, a phone call or you know dinner together. Having experienced this myself, I can relate to Zach's perspective here. The role of the father at this point is not that of parent to child, as Zach mentioned. But really, it's akin to a mentor who energetically steps up to help you feel balanced in the world. Those are just simple things that I never really got to experience with my old dad that now I am. And it's, it's, it's been a blessing. It's been, it's been a gift that I, I'm trying to you know, embrace as, as much as possible. It's still weird to, to look at you know, this person and, and realize that they're parents. It's 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 still something that I'm wrapping my mind around because it you know it does shift you know tweaks and family dynamics to to say the least. At the end of the day, it's it's been um, a weird but really 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 good thing. I might get to the point you know to be able to call him dad. That's just always been a a weird name for me, a painful name. Again, that that figure of dad has been such a clear and definitive villain in my life that I think subconsciously ascribing that name to other people was always problematic for me. But then at the same time, I think there's always part of me as well that held on to that hope that, that there was still this dad out there, this, this quote unquote real dad, you know, and I wanted to save that name for that person. And so in some sense, you know, I guess that there's some self-fulfilling prophecy that's happened, but I'm not quite there yet to be able to use that word, you know, with him. Uh, I, I absolutely consider him my dad. And when I talk about him to other people, you know, I will say my dad, you know, my father, things like that. And I've, which is something I was not comfortable with, you know, even before now I, I've started to become comfortable with talking to third parties. 
Thanks to Zach for sharing his lottery experience and describing the lesser-known positive outcomes to MPE discoveries. Sex, Lies, and the Truth is written and produced by Jody Klugman-Rab and Christina Bryan Fitzgibbons. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the show, you can contact us through our website at www.sexliesandthetruth.com. If you are a fan of Sex, Lies, and the Truth and want to support us, you can do that through Patreon. Patreon is a really cool platform where fans of shows like ours can pledge a small amount each month, even just a few dollars, to support the show. You can find us there at www.patreon.com forward slash sex, lies, and the truth.